What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Jacob and I are in studio, and Tyler will be joining us on the phone. We will discuss the New England Patriots signing Cam Newton and the impact the former MVP will have up in Foxborough. We'll also share our thoughts on the Lakers signing J.R. Smith on the first day NBA teams were allowed to sign replacement players for players that have said they will not be a part of the resumption of the NBA season in Orlando, Florida, as well as discussing where the MLB stands in their attempt to start the 2020 MLB season. All right, let's start the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 148 of the Sports Kingdom show. Two more until we hit number 150. Joining me on the phone, my co-host, Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. How are you, my brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Can't, uh, can't believe we're that close to F-150. I know, man. It seems like just yesterday we started this uh, this little yeah, thing. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, joining me in studio, our co-host, producer extraordinaire on the board, Jacob Gonzalez. How are you, man? I'm good. Day by day, you know, man. Every day's, uh, you know, chipping away piece by piece. Hey, we made it to July. <laughs> that is true. It doesn't feel like July, though. No, it really doesn't. But uh, it's July now, and we actually have some NFL news. We're just going to jump right into it. Cam Newton... The former NFL MVP has had been a free agent for what, probably four months now. Yeah, sounds yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, since the end of the season, really. Yeah. So, I mean, Carolina didn't make the playoffs. So, yeah, it's it's his time in Carolina has been done for a while. Which we knew he was going to leave by the beginning of the season. At least I did. I thought he was going to be out. You did? Yeah, I did. Okay. I I mean, I think getting rid of Ron Rivera definitely helped. Yeah, midseason, that definitely accelerated things. But now, four months after official free agency, Cam Newton has signed a one-year heavily incentivized, heavily incentivized deal that could end up being worth up to $7.5 million dollars with, of course, the big bad wolf, the New England Patriots. And he also does not have a – there's no clause in the contract for him to be franchise tag next year. So it's almost like, you know, you're, you're almost getting like a, like a two-year deal, you know, the second year as an option. Yeah. Especially because you're paying him so little the first year. Yeah, no, there's no there's no real big financial commitment to Cam from the Patriots. Uh I think he but, it, but, I think it only really leaving, like like Cam leaving that in there, you know what I mean? Like leaving the ability for them to like franchise tag him, you know. That was definitely a strategic move. Oh, yeah, cuz I mean, the only way his deal gets to 7.5 million dollars is if they reach the Super Bowl and I mean Cam is for sure betting on himself and thinks that he could lead a team to to a Super Bowl. And him joining the Patriots, I mean, it's I hate to say it, it's the perfect recipe. So it's yeah. he'd be definitely deserving of that franchise tag and and that salary designation of what comes with that franchise tag. So I mean, yeah, they're definitely getting a steal at that. They're getting a steal on this first year price. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. it's unreal how, how cheap he went for. Uh, but that's just the NFL nowadays. I mean, it's uh, there's weird windows in free agency, and he's uh, he's just he found he found the perfect spot though. This was kind of the place that the football world you either wanted him to go there, or like you desperately didn't want him to go there because, I mean, really he was like you know outside of maybe you know Philip Rivers, uh, you know, and then obviously Tom Brady. It's like he was obviously uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in free agency. So for him to go to the best team available, it's, it's like the match made in heaven. That is a, that is a team that's ready to roll. Oh yeah. And like, like you said, getting him on the cheap, I think the longer time went by that cam was yeah, a free agent, that the, the lower his price tag was going to get. Yeah. And, every, and everybody was waiting for, you know, the dominoes to fall and, I was like certain once, you know, once like Philip Rivers and then Brady. I was for sure I thought he was going to sign not soon, not not too long after that, and it's been you know a couple months now. I will say this though: I don't think this deals in the long term for both parties. I don't see him staying here two years. Yeah, it to me it's a tryout and I think Cam's biggest incentive in signing with them and it was a mutual agreement is that he's going to come in show what he still has because a lot of people still doubt him because of the injuries. Now he comes into New England hopefully to work himself into the system which is tough by the way cuz Belichick's system is not easy to learn. And another downside I will say, don't want to be the downer but it is a downside. He doesn't have a lot of weapons. Uh, in this system and on this current roster. So I don't think it's a long-term deal for both parties. Yeah, I think it's definitely definitely a prove-it kind of situation for to see, Cam. Yeah, to see where he goes down the line. Yeah, for sure. And it's, This it's is a, just a stepping stone. It's a prove-it situation for Cam himself. And also, the Patriots are in a prove-it situation with their first season without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick being together for the, the last... 20 years yeah that's why they have a mutual agreement to come together and say all right we know you still have something to prove we have something to prove now that we got uh now that we lost tom brady so let's make an agreement here's some incentives and maybe you stay in the future but i don't think it's going to happen yeah and i think as as much as i hate to say it i mean it's it's on the record how much disdain i have towards the new england patriots but i I can't think of a better place for him to revitalize his career, especially with an offensive genius like Josh, Josh McDaniels calling plays for him. The, the one upside that when I saw the news is that he is going to have a better offensive line than he did in uh, Carolina. That's He's going to be protected. But the issue is he doesn't have the weapons he had before. Who's who's your biggest threat on this team? Sanu, Sanu or Edelman. Or, yeah, first first person that came to mind was Edelman but he doesn't put up big numbers he's more of a consistent guy rather than big numbers in a game yeah I think I mean it's definitely like contract wise it's it's perfect for New England it's a good it's the best place for Cam to you know not only showcase his abilities to win still and play at a high level but also gives him a chance to chase a ring at the same time so, like, and that, you know, the relationship, I think, is great. And as far as from the football stuff goes, you know, with the roster and the X's and O's, man, I just think it's going to be Cam Newton is the talent. He is kind of the – he is the centerpiece. You build off of him. He's a threat. Uh, he's a dual threat guy, too. And uh, I also think they're going to throw the – you know, they're going to be – they're going to be running the ball a lot more. They're going to throw the – they're going to throw the fullback out there like they did against the Rams in the Super Bowl. Stars Clark, but with the you know with everybody with everybody being you know built to stop the pass, you know they're they're kind of built to to run against those kind of defenses. So I like them to be a more balanced team, not a pass heavy team with Cam, um, which I think is going to make them dangerous. And then you know you don't need a ton of production from the outside guys. They have a good slew of running backs, um, and you know the the couple. Uh, wide receivers they do have for veterans so well, be you uh, you mentioned the, the talent part and we've always discussed on this show that sometimes the fit is better now that's the question I wanted to ask you guys is that who gets the start if if the season continues obviously but who's so going to be the start starter first yeah 
Yeah, I'm saying, but who's going to be the starter? Stidham or Cam? Yes. I mean, Stidham. It, Stidham's been in that. In in that. Uh, the quarterback. No, the quarterback room will look like this. It'll be Cam will be the starter, Hoyer will be the backup, and Stidham will be the this the little brother of the group learning, holding a clipboard the whole time. And that is about as good of a quarterback room as you could possibly get. If you've got your third string quarterback as like a young guy learning, and he has zero pressure to play. That's like the best case scenario for their development. Brian Hoyer has played, you know, multiple five plus seasons with McDaniels. He knows the offense. He's a veteran guy, perfect set of a backup. And Cam is a fucking legit tier one talent in this league as a football player. And so I think, you know, that's I think it's it's a clear packing order with, with Cam Hoyer and then sit him holds the clipboard. Yeah, I, I got to agree with Tyler. I don't think there's anybody in their right mind that is choosing Jared Stidham to start a NFL football game over Cam no, Newton no, right but, now. But, but, Stidham, but Stidham is the project. He is who they're, the, the, the organization. That's, yeah, no, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. You, you Stidham's know, so not like, ready. He is, he is important to Jacob's you know, point. Like He is a factor for that franchise moving forward. I, now, I only say that so because of the system, that he's been right, in the system, right, because we argue right. that sometimes the system, being in the system and yeah. fit is a lot better than just playing off the raw talent. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you're, and you're absolutely right. But that's the whole, that's Hoyer's role. You know, Hoyer is the guy that, you know, Hoyer was Brady's backup for all those years in New England. They're bringing him back. Um, he, you know, so he's the guy that's like the system guy that's like, he's, Hoyer's going to be teaching Stidham well, Cam's getting the reps at the number one spot uh, just to get Cam ready to go. And Cam's a smart guy. He's a football player. So he's going to be able to pick up McDaniel's offense fine. McDaniel's offense is just going to look a little different than it did with Brady because there's not going to be as much drop back, sit in the pocket, and pass the ball down the field as, as there was with Brady. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine the the run-pass option type plays that that McDaniels has just been drawn up at home this entire time, just dreaming Man, of the day Cam Newton you, signs with the Patriots. If you've never seen Cam Newton in person, it'll change your whole perspective of who he is as a player. Because, he looks like I mean, a defensive this guy, end. This guy is a massive, 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 charismatic person. Like, this guy is just a, a born leader. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan, but I respect the natural talent that that dude has. And and so when when he gets behind center in New England, that is going to be a powerful, powerful team with all those running backs. They're one of the few teams that have a fullback. They run multiple tight ends in their sets. They've got big physical veteran wide receivers on the outside. This is a power a power football team now, and um, I think they're going to be a good one at that. Well, this brings my next question then, because before he signed with this team. I think a lot of us didn't have them making the playoffs. Did you, Eric? Not if Stidham was going to be the quarterback. And I don't think you would, Tyler, right? Well, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think... I didn't have them making Stidham, the playoffs. Obviously, with Stidham and Hoyer, I probably wouldn't have went. I probably would have said no. They weren't going to make the playoffs. But I, I, in the in the back of my mind, I knew that just there's no way that we won up to their roles with. But, I mean, so yeah, so where does this put it, them now then? If we didn't have them making the playoffs, well, no, do they make it for sure now with Newton? Now they've got to be a top top three team in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think they I think they win their division. They're right back to where they were, to be honest with you. Not not saying that they're the same team that Brady, you know, like that same chokehold, but they are. No, they're in the hunt still. Years. They're they're back in the hunt. I still think Buffalo wins that division game. though. No, yeah, Buffalo's, I'd rather Buffalo. take them. Buffalo's scary, man. They've got momentum and youth. That's the only reason why, just because of the of, of what Tyler said, the momentum, and they're getting most of their guys back that they made the playoffs last year with. And this well, this New England team is just a whole new team. It's a whole new environment for all these players. And you better believe that everybody in that league, Miami, New York Jets, Buffalo, is just salving at the mouth for them to go down and them to jump on them. You know what I mean? They're, they've been waiting for this moment for 20 years. So Buffalo and New York and, and Miami, all three of those teams are young and hungry football teams that are going to be gunning for New England. But ultimately, I think between Belichick and Cam Newton, they'll, they'll end up winning the division. 
Yeah. All right. I got a I got a question for you guys. Why do you think it took so long for a team to finally sign Cam? Now I I I get the the COVID concerns and like not being able to do in person physicals and the injury concerns and all of that, but let's put that aside for a second. There were teams in the league besides the Patriots who had a desperate need to get a solid starting quarterback for their team to be anywhere near some sort of competitive uh, competitive rank in the, the NFL this year. So, like, why didn't the Jaguars go after him? Why didn't the Chargers, the Bears, why, why didn't teams like th- those three go after him? They probably well, didn't want think- the risk. That's that's what I think. A lot of these teams didn't want the risk because what they have is maybe not as dynamic as what Cam was in North in us in Carolina, but they just didn't want the risk and they were comfortable with whatever they had pieces wise. Yeah, I think it's 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 flirting with the Allen Iverson. It's kind of almost around that Allen Iverson Carmelo Anthony deal where he is still so good. I mean, he's in the prime of his career right now. I mean, a 31-year-old quarterback, that's like some of the best numbers you, you're going to get is when you're 31. Uh, but I think it's, you know, the teams you named specifically, you know, all these teams are stuck between either A, they got their guy and he's not a backup quarterback, or they've got a young quarterback that they're trying to develop, like, say, Jacksonville and Chicago. What was the other team you named? The Chargers. Uh, the Chargers. So all three of those teams have young quarterbacks that you either – you either can bring Cam in, have him start, you know, and then derail the progress of your young guy, or you don't bring in Cam at all, and you just roll with you, the guys that you've got, build on your chemistry, build on your, you know, your youth and your foundation. And so I think he just get, got caught in like a bad, a bad place as far as being like still, he's still a starting quarterback in the league, but the teams that needed quarterbacks went with young guys rather than someone to win right now yeah you know I th- like if like if the seahawks like if if russell wilson tore his achilles in april like we probably would have went for him you know because we're we're trying to win right now you know what i mean we don't we're not whereas the chargers the bears um and, and jacksonville i don't know necessarily if they're in win right now mode or you know stockpile young pieces yeah, I like I liked that comparison you made with like Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony Tyler. I th- I think ultimately why it took so long for a team to sign Cam was because I think especially those the teams that I mentioned, I think those teams were more concerned and thought that Cam wouldn't be able to come to terms with potentially being a backup, more of a a mentor type role and what that role entails. And he might be, Cam might be more concerned with trying to further himself in his career rather than what the team needs in in that moment. And it's funny that you bring this up because five years ago he was the league's MVP. Right. And a year after winning that, this would not be a question. He would have been signed immediately. But like we've all mentioned, is that maybe the teams didn't know they were comfortable with the guys that they had, and he he doesn't have the um, he doesn't have the the personality to be a, a um, to, to basically mold a young quarterback. That's not him. He's not going to play second fiddle to that. So he needed a starting gig, and what better place uh, and story than to go to New England? Well, then ultimately to answer your question, what I was going to say with the money, it, 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 why, is, why it took so long was ultimately the money. So couple that with, you know, the teams that were looking at him were probably the teams that he wanted to go at, and the teams that he wanted to go at probably weren't looking at him. And then, so, you know, he's not taking, he took that contract because it's New England. I mean, I don't, he's not taking a million dollars from Jacksonville. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just the way the market works. And he's, this guy is like a $20 million a year quarterback. I mean, he should be in the top 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the league. That's how good this guy is. It's just that he's got, you know, coming off of, of, of a bad season and an injury. You know, and he's had injuries before, you know, sprinkled in his career that people kind of want to play that card. When it's really, it's like, nah, dude, this kid, this guy's going to come out, you know, and he's going to crush it. So I'm more of like on the side of 
Cam Newton's team rather than organizations. Like, I'm not worried about the red flag with Cam. I think that he's going to be fine the next five years in this league. Yeah, I think I think Cam is also at the point in his career where he's been to a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes to get there. He didn't get over the hump initially, yeah. but now been he, the MVP. Yeah, he's been the MVP. He's got he's got accolades behind him. He's he he's he's walked the walk. He's talked the talk uh, without the Super Bowl ring, obviously. But yeah, but he he did get him there though. Yeah, in he, his defense, right? He he got him there. But now being in the culture of New England and that quote-unquote patriot way i really don't think any of those red flags are going to be an issue i think he's going to fall right in line he's i have I, I think he has the utmost respect for bill belichick as a coach and as a winner at least i, I as a football I, I, football person man, yeah i think Cam, it's safe i think Cam it's safe to make that assumption player. yeah I, I i'm with you man i i just don't think i think like you said fall in line that's exactly what's going to happen and it's going to be dangerous yeah. Now the dude is a natural born leader. You know, maybe arguably the best like leader naturally in the league. I mean, the dude is just like he's a beast. Yeah. But I and like you were saying, Tyler, I think he just caught in got caught in such a weird timing of all of all of this with the with the injury mid season, Ron Rivera getting let go mid season and kind of that whole culture change in Carolina. And then having to deal with going into free agency in the middle of a global pandemic. And then on the flip side, now, now that he's a Patriot, the timing of this signing was quite interesting because within a minute or two of this signing being announced, news broke that the Patriots were being punished for illegally filming the Cincinnati Bengals sideline during a week 14 game between the Bengals and the Browns. The punishment is $1.1 million in fines, the loss of a third-round pick in the 2021 draft, and Patriots TV crews will not be allowed to film at all during the 2020 season. Now, quick note, quick note, the $1.1 million fine is actually more than the Patriots received for Spygate, in which Bill Belichick was fined $500,000, and the team was fined $250,000 for illegally videotaping the New York Jets sideline in 2007. So basically that punishment was basically swept under the rug because everyone was focused on Cam Newton's and him signing with the Patriots. But here at the Sports Kingdom show, we're not going to gloss over that fact. Oh, no, we're going to expose you for who you are. Yeah, the Patriots were once again punished for violating NFL rules and policies, and it had to deal with them videotaping another team's sidelines. And I want to know, what do we think of this punishment? Do we think it fits the crime? I mean, I think it fits the crime. I don't think, you know, I think the the Patriots can make an example out of an NFL more often than not. I don't necessarily think that they're doing it. You know, with the flake gate, with spy gate, with this, like, it's just like there's no way that they're the only team that's doing all this stuff. I think that they're just under the biggest microscope because of the Patriots. Yeah, and they've and, been caught before. The, yeah, they just happen to get caught all the time. Yeah, uh, and so it's like, you know, I I know it's wrong, and, like, I don't necessarily like it, um, but I don't think it's a Patriot thing as much as, like, you know, them being punished reflects reflects it. It's like, I think that the, you know, the punishment was fair. They should be punished, but it shouldn't be some like over, you know, you know, it's not like the Houston Astros type of scenario. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's the equivalent of what the Houston Astros did because it didn't result in a, in a Super Bowl title. But I mean, it's, it's still pretty damning for them to be. No, you, you, you don't want to see it. I just think that it's being made out to look like it's like a Patriots thing when it's probably more teams are doing it than we realize. The Patriots just keep getting caught. Yeah, but, I mean, also just just the fact that it, the way that it was announced and the timing of it, it, it just doesn't sit right with me that it's just going to get swept under the rug once again and they're kind of just going to get let off the hook. I mean, I know – they're getting fined 1.1 million dollars they're losing a third round draft pick all that but like 
I don't know. I don't think the Patriots get left off the hook with anything. I think the whole country hates the Patriots outside of the New England area. I mean, you constantly hear people talking bad about the Patriots in Los Angeles, and they always, people are always bringing up, you know, Spygate and Deflategate. So I'm sure this will get brought up plenty, and, and they were sneaky about it, so it definitely didn't get the media attention that it should have. But uh, I think the Patriots will get their fair share of hate from it all. Just because, in general, they're like the most hate. You know, it's like the Lakers. Oh uh, yeah, to me, this sounds like another small slap on the wrist. It sounds like you don't agree with it either, Eric. No, I think. I mean, listen. I think. I think the punishment. Obviously, they're getting more than what they got for Spygate, which so is I, which is odd to me. I, I, I mean, I don't care, odd or not. I like well, it. It's showing precedent. You know what I mean? That just shows you that they're like, hey, motherfuckers, like, yeah, you've done this before. Yeah, that's why I believe that the punishment's fair. Like, I don't think you can jump much higher than what they did. You know what I mean? I don't think, I don't think that they should have first round draft. Well, then, if you've done away. it plenty of times and the and the league has caught them plenty of times, wouldn't you kind of up the ante a little bit but and give have. them? Yeah, I don't know, but a little bit more yeah. excessively. I mean, I think uh, this to me, is, this is just another small slap on the wrist. Well, to, to me, they got punished more for something that wasn't as serious as like Spygate was. Right, and you I think, I mean? like, but that's the league making up for it because people have probably yeah, told them like you didn't get it you, back then. But that's what you got to do. Now there's a precedent, so now you got to you got to up to ante, you know, especially for like repeat offenders. Right, and I I think I guess what just doesn't sit right with me is the timing of it all, and I feel like the Patriots had some sort of hand in how the how the information got. Uh, Don't worry, Don't it, worry I wouldn't far. put it past me. It, it, in sports, in sports bars across the country, the Patriots are getting plenty of hate. <laughs> well, I mean, if that, there are any people, sports yeah, bars open, hate, I wish I was at one right people now. People hate them already enough. Oh, trust me, most of the country is out of sports bars, not oh. wearing masks or nothing. Oh, well, that's a, that's another story for another day. We we don't need to get into any Corona talk right now. No, definitely not. It's uh, it's gotten too heated over the last few weeks, but anyway, I'm. I guess, like I was saying, it's just the timing of it all just doesn't sit right with me, and it's it's going to get swept under the rug. But I, I do think the punishment fits the crime. They, Like Tyler said, they're getting punished more for something less. I don't think what they did uh, in Week 14 at that Bengals-Browns game is as serious as uh, Spygate back in 07. But Hey, to them, to the Patriots organization, this is gold because you have something that people were probably still talking about here and there about their incident, but you just cover it like cover it up, like you said, with great headline news. Right. And that's what's signing the best available free agent quarterback. Yeah. So all right, let's uh let's transition now to some hoops as we are getting closer and closer to the resumption of the regular season for the NBA in Orlando. Now, with the resumption of the season in Orlando, there has been a lot of talk of players sitting out for various reasons, whether it's coronavirus, social justice, whatever you may have it. Jacob, uh, you have a list of the players so far that have announced that they are going to be taking their name out of the hat for Orlando. So why don't you read off that list real quick, and then we'll we'll get into a little discussion about what's happening in Orlando. All right, so starting it off is Tabo Cephalosha, DeAndre Jordan, Avery Bradley, David Bertans, Trevor Ariza, Willie Cauley-Stein, Wilson Chandler, um, noted Kyrie Irving. He is injured, but if he, he said that if he was not injured and healthy that he would – opt out and not play Dwight Howard and Justice Winslow are two undecided as of right now yeah and I saw uh, a little bit earlier probably about two two and a half hours ago uh, that Dwight Howard was on a zoom call with the Lakers team today and he's currently in Atlanta uh, most of the team is here in LA the the Lakers are supposed to fly to Orlando uh, in I believe a week or a few days or so and there's still hope that Dwight will be joining them in Orlando. Uh, but either way, the the team is in full support of whatever he decides. And the league has already come out and said that any player that 
um, decides they're not going to go to Orlando won't be uh, punished or uh, th- there won't be any repercussions, basically, if they don't end up going to Orlando. But because players have announced that they won't be going to Orlando, the NBA has made it possible for teams to sign replacement players. And today, July 1st, was the, well, it was supposed to be the opening of free agency. Now that I, I can't believe I just realized that at 745 at night, that July 1st, it was supposed to be free agency today in the normal NBA calendar. Well, yeah, remember a couple of years ago, I think it was on July 4th, 3rd, around that time is when the Warriors got Durant. Yeah, Usually around July Fourth holidays, when see, that's usually when the big news comes out. Yeah, for you're free sitting agency. around your your campfire outside, you know, in the fireworks, and you get all the uh, updates of players signing in different teams. Yeah, so now because the calendar has obviously been pushed back, July first, twenty twenty, signifies the the first day that teams can sign replacement players for their teams if players decide to uh, opt out of Orlando. And one player so far has been signed as a replacement uh, to mine. Well, I think maybe a couple others, but the biggest name, and it happens to be for the Los Angeles Lakers, Avery Bradley has decided he is going to opt out of playing, like Jacob mentioned, on the list. His replacement, J.R. Smith, signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. And, I mean... What type of impact do you guys think that JR is going to have with the Lakers? I mean, he's played with LeBron. He's won and lost championships with LeBron. He's a 3 and D type of guy, and he's been known to hit some big shots in his career. He's also been known to have a couple mental blunders in his career. Oh, tell me about it. So, I mean, what do, what do you guys think of J.R. Smith replacing Avery Bradley on this Lakers squad? I don't know if it makes up for all the categories that Avery Bradley covers because he, to me, was that true a lockdown defender for them, especially with the, with the league being heavily populated by guards. So he was a good perimeter defender. Um, but he is a better signing in my mind than originally what they were going to do. I think it was a couple months before the season was shut down was they were talking about signing Dion Waiters. To me, I well, like they this. still have Dion Waiters. Oh, yeah, well, oh, him as well. But to me, I don't I don't know. I think J.R. Smith is a better pickup in my mind. Well, they got both now. Well, so. that's just that's just what I have to say. I completely forgot about Waiters. But Smith, I think, is a better fit uh, because he played with LeBron, but I think he just fits the team as well as the Lakers needed shooting. They kind of lacked that category. Kuzma was supposed to be that third guy, but because he fell in and out of the rotation for injury and kind of fit at times, I think JR kind of fits, slides right into that spot. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, man, I always get stoked to get a JR Smith. I mean, <laughs> JR is the man. I love JR. But, uh, like, as far as, you know, if you, if you want to say, like, it, it's, it's a great move because, you got the chemistry with Braun, so he just automatically kind of just fits in there. And then what, you know, he brings to the table over Avery is kind of just the explosive scoring night. You know, I think that he can still he can still fill it up as a scorer, whereas, you know, our rotation of guards with, you know, a- Avery, Danny Green, um, Rondo, KCP, those guys are like spot-up shooters at best. So this is, you know, that he definitely brings in a, like a scoring dynamic that you kind of have to respect his offense. Um, I do think that Avery Bradley is a better defender, like 94 feet. Like Avery Bradley guards guards the, you know, he guards the ball the whole way. Yeah. Um, but Jr. is a is a, is a defender. He's a dog. He can play. He can play good defense. So it's not like it's not like a huge huge difference there. So. Um, ultimately, I mean, I think the Lakers are, are looking good. Uh, they're going to get this Asterix championship probably. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I think, like like you guys were saying, I think Avery Bradley is a better defender. I think Avery Bradley compared to J.R. Smith, Avery's obviously more of a traditional point guard in terms of the way he plays. And J.R. obviously more of a scorer and Listen, I, like Tyler's saying, he could be that energy spark plug off the bench one night, and he could give you 15, 20 off the bench 
at, at, like you at different start, points. I feel like you got like to start him. You do? I feel like they got to start him, yeah. So what do you, like what's that lineup him. look like? JR, Danny Green, Braun, AD, and JaVale or Dwight? Yep. Definitely JaVale. I mean, I, I definitely think they're going to start JaVale. Yeah, you, well, you get a lot of length with that lineup, too. Yeah. More, and more shooting at that, which, again, they needed. Yeah. They, they In term, they needed a a point guard that can be a playmaker for them, but they didn't get that. LeBron's going to be the point guard. Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying in, in general, they, they needed that third guy. But I think what JR gives them is, yeah, he gives them the flexibility for this type of lineup and for future lineups. You know, you insert LeBron at the, at the point because besides LeBron, you have Rondo, who's a traditional point guard. He doesn't score a lot, but he does facilitate very well. Yeah. But inserting JR into the starting lineup, I think would be, maybe a good experiment just because you do have shooting now or more shooting with him and green. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to putting, putting Jr. in the starting lineup. I, I just, with Avery Bradley going or deciding to opt out of Orlando, I think obviously that means Rondo's going to get more minutes. And I know Laker fans are not going to be happy about that, but I'm excited to see what Caruso is going to be able to do with a, a heavier minute load with, because I think he's going to benefit from Avery Bradley not being out there. Which even before well, they were giving him a lot of minutes and playing time. Yeah, Rondo and Caruso are definitely both going to get minutes, uh, more minutes. Um, but uh, that's that's a good thing. I mean, if, if people are hating on Rondo, it's just like, I, even I don't care how bad he he's played of late. This is this kind of like, you know, eight eight-game mini-season playoff run type of scenario, this is, like, what he's built for. I think that he can come in. He's a professional basketball player, you know what I mean? He can come in, you know, three months off and just, like, start hooping instantly. So, I think Rondo's gonna, Rondo and Caruso are both going to get valuable minutes coming off the bench. But, ultimately, I just don't think that the Lakers are going to start Rondo, Caruso, KCP, I keep forgetting Beyond about KCP what? too. Yeah, so you mentioned waiters. Yeah. Man, that's how long it's been. I have, have I waiters. haven't even checked the roster, but I forgot he was even on there. I think you got to throw you got to throw Jr. out there with Braun. Like you just got to have those two out there together and take advantage of that that kind of like that dynamic of of their chemistry together. Yeah, I think the majority of Jr.'s minutes will be with LeBron to highlight that chemistry that 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 they have. I, it also gives you a little bit of coverage for Kuzma. You know, you hope, like, you know, we keep hoping that Kuzma steps into just that solid, like, third score. But typically third scores aren't aren't guys like Kuzma where, like, you get a big game and then you get some solid games. You get Like, a third score is typically a guy like JR where you just get what you get every game. You know what I mean? Kuzma, you would more need him to be, like, the second score where he has, like, more opportunity. He... Kuzma can't just rely on like five to ten shots a night, you know. Yeah. He's just never. He's just not. I mean, he's averaging sixteen a game or whatever. That's solid, but this is not a good setup for him. And then, you know, him playing forward, it's just tough for him to get minutes with Braun and AD. Yeah. See, this this definitely crazy. this definitely pushes Kuzma out of the of the lineup more and more. I don't think it necessarily no, no, pushes I, him out. I think out. so, just because he was already struggling to find rhythm. And it was tough for him to, you know, come into these rotations. He was kind of the odd man out. I think it honestly, honestly, like it takes a little bit of the load and pressure off of Kuzma. I think it, it will allow Kuzma to to be a little bit more free flowing on the court, which I, I hope yeah, it does. But it just seems it just seems very crowded now with Waiters, who I forgot they had, and now Smith. A lot of these no, guys, a lot need, of these guys want one on one time. Scoring. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I understand, mean, and they needed the scoring, they needed the shooting, but as far as Kuzma, the Kuzma aspect of it, I don't think he's going to be in the future per se if they keep signing guys like this and keep holding on to them, you know, for, for several years. From from Kuzma's perspective, it's like, dude, you better get loose and just like... Oh, yeah, he, he needs to show out like, as much as he can. Or, or, but from the Lakers' perspective, it's like they're covering their ass now. They don't have to, they don't have to depend on on Kuzma to uh, to be the third guy. Like, now they've got Waiters and JR in the mix. They've got scoring opportunity. Yeah, and now I'm just – I'm thinking out loud here because I'm, I'm just thinking about the scenario that Tyler brought up a little bit ago about JR having to start, and it's just – I keep thinking, it's, you really think that 
the Lakers should start him when he he hasn't played this entire year. He were he's si- he's being signed off of. Let, well, let's be real start? here, a fluke. But I will say this though, in his defense, yeah, he hasn't played all year. You know, he's taken whatever time he has off. But right now, this season, like we've mentioned, and a lot of people have said, it's an asterisk behind it. It's going to be fair game for all these teams. All these teams have not worked out together. Yeah, you've maybe done your individual workouts and got you know whatever shots you have at home or in a in a facility near you. But it's a fair game once they go into the season. I just don't know who you start. Um... And I just think that Jr.'s got that dynamic with LeBron that you don't need to bring him off the bench. I mean, you could bring. I mean, you could bring him off the bench, but I just feel like it's it just might as well take advantage of his defense on the other team's starting point guards and um, and and get him out there swinging early. It's and then you know you kind of save the whole rotation where you keep the second unit together. Uh, you plug you know you plug Jr. where Avery was, so then there's no like. You know, you're not messing up to any other rotation. You're not, like, bringing a guy off the bench to starting and then bringing JR with the, the new bench. Which um, I, I, I do agree with Tyler, though. Overloading this starting lineup, I think, is good because you already have your scores and your playmakers on the bench. You do have Kuzma still, and you do have waiters now. So, that's, I think to me, a, that's kind of all you need on the bench. And then if you do insert him in and out of that bench lineup, then you have another shooter. Yeah. It, it, if if they get if they get comfortable now this is like best case scenario but if the Lakers get comfortable with these new guys and you know in the second half they've got a lineup where they got Waiters Jr LeBron Kuz and Ant Oof. I mean that is just that's just like tough I mean that's tough on offense and defense so if they could know, make that will... lineup work and actually be productive that that could be scary. Yeah, and I mean, you could even take take out Kuz, and you could put in Dwight or you know whatever. But even with Kuz and LeBron, Dion and Jr., you just have shooters all around the horn, and uh, and you got a bunch of guys that can play defense so and, and defend multiple positions. Yeah, that's a really long lineup. Now, Danny Green is a solid starter, so I don't think he's in danger of losing the starting spot. No, yeah, I, don't think so I wouldn't move. I wouldn't and, move Green and, and at maybe, all. No, Danny Green and JaVale will stay in the starting lineup, but I'm just more talking like, you know, just throughout the game, if they, if they, if Dion and JR can come in and play good and they're out there with Kuz and Braun and Ant, that's a dangerous basketball team. Yeah, Dion Waiters never even never got the chance to play a game for the Lakers yet. Yep. So, I mean, I think it's safe to say that all three of us are on board with this J.R. Smith signing. But. But it's every no one's played with any you know all these teams are going to be kind of weird. I mean, talk the Nets aren't basically even bringing their team. Yeah, but, there's going to be a know, significant it's, it's, amount of rust for all these players across the league. It doesn't matter. All that stuff's in favor for the Lakers, I think, because they're they're veteran driven and stuff. Yeah. Now, like I just said, I think it's safe to say we're all on board with this J.R. Smith signing. Yeah. Okay, so what yeah. what other players do you think could get signed as replacements for teams? There's there's a lot of uh, free agent names that have been talked about all year as being potential signings for for teams in the hunt for for a championship run. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Nate Rob or Jamal on a team, obviously. Uh, a couple of Seattle, a couple of old Isaiah guys Thomas is a free Seattle. agent right now. I'm still surprised that Isaiah. Jamal's on the market, and that Isaiah is also on the market. But it's just tough. All three of those guys are are kind of scoring guards, and that's not necessarily something that everybody needs. Um, I'm not even really sure who else is out there as being at this point. I think Jacob was just looking it up. I caught him typing something on the on the computer. Well, a yeah, bunch, I mean, a bunch uh, of people have already been signed. So Joe Kim Noah was one of them, but he's gone. Corey Brewer was gone. Um, uh, yeah, Joe Kim. Is, uh, uh, Joe Kim's with the, with the Clippers. Where's Corey Brewer? Yeah. Uh, he signed with no, he the there. Kings. All right, so oh, but the Kings aren't going to Orlando. No, no. no. So you can cut him out. Uh, some of the best available ones are Demarcus Cousins, Joe Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. You noted Ryan Anderson. 
Alan Crabb, Gerald Green, Pau Gasol, Nene, Iman Shumpert, Jamal Crawford, and Lance Stevenson. I think DeMarcus already said he's not going to come back. Which, yeah, even if well, yeah, he, he probably wouldn't come back regardless. Lance has got to be the one that's ready to go on that list. I mean, Lance is born ready. Of course he's ready to go. Yeah, and, well, and he's just like, you know, he's not going to ask for any shots. So you can you can bring him into kind of a championship type of run. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, DeMarcus would be big time, obviously, but. You're just worried about the injury, though, and how he's going to come back. I think DeMarcus is going to end up re-signing with the Lakers after the season's over. That'd be dope. The, the, one, the one person, like I said, that still baffles me that he's not signed is Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Jamal Crawford should be in the league right Re- now. Regardless, There's no reason. Yeah, regardless of his age, he could still give you 15 points on a given night or more. His last game in the NBA was a 50-point game. Yeah. But he's not Pretty signed. Good. <laughs> it's very good, Tyler. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we wrap up the NBA talk, are there any games on the NBA schedule? Because it was announced for all the teams, their schedules. Are there any games you guys are looking forward to in this little eight-game sprint to the to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to the Grizzlies and the Pelicans playing with Jaw and Zion. I'm super excited to see, like, you know, if one of those young guys, can, you know, make grab that eighth spot. I mean, if 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 Zion, I mean, everybody's just like, just chomping at the bit to watch Zion play more. And the Pelicans um, have so the easiest is, schedule of these eight games for any NBA team. So it's, just, so it's just like if the if if Zion plays LeBron in the first round, I mean, that's just like the NBA's dream come true, you know, and then. Shaw Moran is a special player, and these Grizzlies are way better than I thought they would be. So I really hope they make um, the playoffs too. I'm, de- I'm definitely, I'm definitely most excited to watch the first and the second pick in the draft go head to head in this little bubble action. Yeah, I, w- I was also wrong. I just said that Sacramento wasn't going to Orlando, and they definitely are because that's the eighth game the Lakers will be playing before the playoffs. Uh, the game that I'm most looking forward to is actually the first game the Lakers are going to be playing and it's against the Clippers. I thought it was very smart of the league to to schedule that as uh, one of the first games back. Obviously r- ratings for that game will be through the roof, but I'm just glad we get to m- make up that game that we lost uh, back in January because of Kobe passing away. Yeah. And I think that's the number one game for most people. I mean, I think that's like you said. That was just genius. That's the perfect storm, um, and it, and it's the perfect way to replace the game. Yeah, that's definitely the one that I'm looking at. Only because in the Pacific Division, the Lakers and Clippers they play each other four times, obviously. But this is for bragging rights, and then heading into the season to see where everybody's at. Again, everybody kind of started at zero when they're going into the season or resuming it. But this is going to be for all the marble, all the marbles per se, and then just to see where both of these squads were at because they were it was kind of like an arms race towards the end of the season, especially after the All-Star break and into the trade deadline. They were just trying to pick up as many pieces and as best pieces that were available. So I think that's just one game that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and this this race is now a sprint, so each one of these eight games means everything. And with that play-in scenario, the only way there's going to be a play-in is if uh, I believe it's nine and eight and nine are within four games of each other. So every, every game in, in these eight games, it, it counts and it's going to mean something. It's, it's, it's going to, as much as we've been against uh, sports and the NBA coming back and all of that, now that it's here, we kind of just have to accept it. And it, this is going to, I think it's going to be unlike anything we've seen before, obviously, but I think it's going to be an exciting sprint to the finish. Don't, don't uh, uh, I'm still just, I'm still, so so reserved still with my excitement. I think there's just with, with all the new cases every day. And then I think I saw, what was it? Is it the NHL that's in a similar bubble? And they're still uh, trying to figure out where their bubble is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I thought, it, or maybe it was the talk, it was the MLS. Uh, yeah, it was the MLS. So the MLS, I mean, they, you saw that the Dallas team 
they had they, their whole team got tested before they went to the bubble. Uh, none of them had it, and then like days later, six members had it. Yeah, they they had a couple a couple teams have players test positive after being in the bubble. But and then like the the basketball tournament, which we'll talk about a little later. You know they had they had a, they had two reserve teams just for this. And uh, day one, a, a team got had a breakout and got dropped in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I, like you said, I'm definitely uh, reserved with my excitement, but it's it's just a lot. Uh, it, it seems like it's really close, but there's still a lot that could go wrong. Right. No, I'm like now that we're but in July, it's, it's like. All right, we're we're in July. It's baseball supposed to be coming back the twenty third, twenty fourth. Basketball will be here on the thirtieth, thirty first, and yeah, it's yeah, close. It, but it, it's it, you're right; it does still seem very far away. And and I think um, you know on the you know the optimistic side is if it does come back, it will be cool to see um, how they do it, and then just be able to watch basketball all day. I mean, just multiple games every day. Uh, that's gonna be, you know, obviously nice. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be March Madness style, where it's like an early afternoon game, a mid afternoon game, and uh, then uh, then a, then a primetime game. I'm still I'm still uh, like having a hard time like even trying to enjoy the games because I still feel pretty strongly that they're making a mistake. But like you said, you kind of got to just let it ride at this point. They're gonna they're gonna try it no matter what. Yeah, we we got no no say in the matter. They're they're going for it. Too bad, man. It's, it's an asterisk season now. Got got to be. It's just there's nothing normal about this. There's nothing about the team. Like the team winning this is not like the champions of the season. You know, they're just the champions of this little weird mix and match playoff tournament run thing yeah i mean it it definitely makes sense to to feel that way yeah but all right let's uh let's move on now to baseball because baseball is trying to start their season and what a roller coaster ride it was to to get to an agreement but and a rugged roller coaster ride at that the nba it almost looked flawless compared to the MLB. Yeah, I mean, night and day in comparison of how this whole scenario was dealt with. But ultimately, we're going to get a 60-game season for baseball. Opening day rosters will feature 30 active players from each team's 60-man player pool. So instead of a 40-man player pool uh, like normal, it is getting expanded to 60 Instead of a 25-man active roster, it's getting expanded to 30. Uh, The active roster will be trimmed to 28 players on the 15th day of the season and then to 26 players on the 29th day of the season. There will be no limitations on the number of pitchers as previously required in a new rule change. Teams will be permitted to carry three players from their taxi squads on road trips, one of whom must be a catcher. And then there will be a universal DH. So for the first time in Major League Baseball history, the National League will have a designated hitter, which means the pitcher will not bat. I bet they're happy about that news. Yeah, I mean, less work for them, less less strain on their body. Now, in extra innings, obviously there's been a lot of talk about how to shorten games, how to quicken the pace of play. In extra innings, each team will begin with a runner on second base. The runner will be the player in the batting order immediately preceding that half innings leadoff hitter, or it can just be a pinch runner of the club's choice. And then, as previously planned, all relief pitchers must face a minimum of three batters unless the inning ends. And that obviously goes into the pace of play argument as well. Now, managers won't be able to, after each at-bat, change the pitcher. Pitchers are going to have to face a minimum of three batters. As far as the schedule goes for the 60 games, the MLB obviously wanted to minimize travel uh travel parties and all of that for the team so the schedule will be regionally based 
with teams playing 40 games within their division and then 20 interleague games against their corresponding geographical division in the opposite league. So that means the AL West will play the NL West, the AL East will play the NL East, et cetera, et cetera. So that means we get Dodgers Astros this year and we weren't supposed to have Dodgers Astros this year. So that's going to be fun. And the goal is for all the games to be played in teams home ballparks. So there's not going to be a bubble like there was once talked about being maybe a bubble in Arizona or Florida or in Texas. The MLB hopes to play all of their games in teams home ballparks. And like I said, obviously they're going to limit travel and the size of the traveling parties, the clubs uh, come with to, to road games, but there's going to be baseball. And well, they definitely feel more relaxed about the whole situation than the NBA does which a lot of these uh, a lot of these teams for for baseball well, there's a there's a handful of them some of them want to have fans and spectators now I don't know how that's going to work because you know how state regulations differ um, from state to state and some of these teams are saying all right fine we'll invite a couple hundred of fans in, into the stadium to watch to me that's a little bit that's a little bit disconcerting considering the fact that if you go to places like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, the heavily populated cities, Houston, these these arenas are not going to have fans. But then you go to, let's just say, a smaller town in Milwaukee or something like that, and you're going to have fans there? And that's if they go through with it. But still, playing with the idea is a little bit concerning. Yeah. It, no, no, you can't have fans. No, the, I don't think, think there's any if, possible way to have if, fans. If they want to put I mean, if they try to do that, they just being idiotic, but <clears throat> no, I mean, baseball is going to give it its go. Sounds like NFL is going to try and give it its go, but you know, ultimately I just think that this thing, this virus isn't really contained and there's going to be some hiccups. And uh, so ultimately, I mean, it really doesn't matter how you set it up, you know, home ballparks, no fans, you know, the no fans has worked overseas uh, with like the soccer leagues and stuff. So it's like, there's no saying that, you know, that's not the, you know, the bubble is the right way to go versus like empty stadiums. So it'll be interesting to see how all these all play out. And if, if one gets affected more than the other. Yeah. Well, we mentioned about the NBA, about players sitting out for coronavirus reasons, health concerns and social justice protests. Well, the MLB has similar players doing the same thing as well. And so far, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, Mike Leake, and Ian Desmond are four names that have opted out of the season. And as of, as Ryan, of right now, Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross are from the defending World Series yeah, the champion the Nationals. Nationals. So, I mean, it there's a lot of discussion happening between players across all sports and a lot of them seem to be on the same page. And which, that's which I see both of these lists from NBA and MLB growing significantly in the next couple of weeks. It would not it yeah, would not surprise yeah. me. I think it's going to happen. That's why that's why the NBA season is still so far away. It's like man like I I've, I've been trying to like get ready for fantasy football but I'm just like man I just don't I just don't see how it's going to happen. I know, you know I got I, mean, I got the notification from the app that you uh resumed the league. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I was just like, that's with the settings, and I was just like, man, I don't even know if if we can really plan on having a season right now because there's just so many there's just so many variables going on, and every single day there's new stuff, and um, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the sports league shutting down might not even be due to COVID; it might be due to more to like the social justice stuff. So it's like you really just don't know. Yeah, no, we just uh, we just got to take it day by day. But no, I mean, that's... It, does, it does it doesn't feel real to me that like I'll be able to watch a baseball and a basketball game at the end of the month, and I'll be able to watch football in September. Yeah, it, 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 it just, feels so it far away. Like, it feels it, yeah. So it's just like that feeling in my gut. I just go, you know, even though I read the headlines that these leagues are going through with all this shit, I just. I, you know, I'm pessimistic, I guess. Yeah. No, and it's, listen, there's a lot of people that feel the same way. And listen, I think I lean 
I lean more in the middle, but I, I definitely have my concerns and I'm definitely cautious when it comes to my excitement with sports returning because as we saw back on March 11th, the seasons could get suspended in the blink of an eye once again. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately I think that's, that's probably what's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to watch and see it all unfold and watch, you know, leagues, you know, one league do a bubble and one league do home stadiums that are empty and just unprecedented time. Yeah. Now you mentioned Tyler uh, a few minutes ago about the basketball tournament, having a team come down with a bunch of cases and having to pull out of the tournament. Why don't you explain what the basketball tournament is for the people that don't know and then what they're doing as far as the tournament this year for 2020? So the basketball tournament, I think this is the sixth year they've done it. Um, But it's basically just like an open tournament, um, an open men's tournament. Well, not even men's. Last last year there was a a girl that played in it. Um, But it's just an open tournament. With a million dollar cash prize, you got to buy in. You got to buy into the tournament, though, right? No, you just have to be accepted. Got it. So you have to. So you have to apply as a team, and um, a lot of these teams, when they originally started, were all like funded by you know like nonprofits, like Challenge ALS is one of the big kind of time ones, and then uh, and then it kind of became like a college alumni type of tournament almost. But it's basically it's a bunch of guys that you know played D1, played pro, uh, played pro overseas. Um, you know, Ohio State alumni has got a team with, like, Aaron Kraft. Um, so it's it's a, it's, just re- it's a really high-end basketball tournament. It's a lot of fun to watch. But uh, this year, uh, because of COVID, it's not, you know, typically they accept 64 teams. This year they're only going to accept 24. Te- well, they accepted 24 teams, and then they added two um two teams like on the on the bubble like waiting and which one has already been called up uh and then it's it's a single elimination like NCAA March Madness tournament style uh the 2014 bracket uh has uh, a bunch of ex-NBA players uh for instance Joe Johnson's going to be playing with uh with Challenge JLS which is like the best team uh so they're you know and so Joe Johnson's got the opportunity to win a big three championship and a and a tournament championship in the in the same year would be crazy. That'd be tight. Yeah, but so they're they're going to start. They start. Um, their games are going to be broadcast on ESPN two starting the third. So starting Friday. Oh, so uh, we're going to so have live because, basketball this week. So that is like the first basketball that's been broadcast in my, to my knowledge since COVID. Oh, let's go. I guess the the main point of it all. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to wait till the end of July. So, yeah. So the basketball and it's, it's got a tight, you know, they've got, they're kind of running it more of like overseas, you know, they've been really tight with their procedures. I think the team that got kicked out actually only had one guy come down with the case and they kicked the whole team off. Um, so they're being extra careful. There's no fans. Um, so it's going to be a nice little, like, I think it's just a nice little test run to see what will happen with the NBA. Yeah. And doesn't the, the basketball tournament, they have the Elam ending, right? Where that, that's how they oh, ended up right. the, the all-star right. game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, prog- it's an also, it's a really progressive tournament in the sense that like last year they implemented the Elam ending, which is a different way to end a basketball game. Instead of, and it's basically was invented to counteract late game fouling. Right. And the NBA um, used it in this year's all-star game for the first time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. I get it. And so, yeah. So the, uh, the basketball tournament was kind of, you know, the test run and then the NBA took it with the all-star game and you never know. The ending could be something that you see in pro basketball someday. No, listen, I think I think honestly the first step in that is I think they're going to keep doing the All-Star game how they did it this year. It just makes it more competitive down the down the stretch, you know what I mean? Once you throw up that target score, um I think things ratchet up a bit. Yeah, and I I don't think anybody was expecting the kind of excitement in the All-Star game that there actually was when it was announced that it was going to be this kind of different 
format with a different kind of ending of how a normal basketball well, game ends. And that was a good test run because now they've got, now they got, you know, they changed the rules to where it can't end on a free throw. Right. So it was like, it was a good experiment that they did that. So uh, yeah, the basketball term is just kind of like just a really high end, uh, high end fun thing to watch for basketball fans, especially if you're a college basketball fan in the last 20 years, you're going to see a bunch of good names that, uh, that you will remember. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, uh, teams that have uh, alumni that have played on a lot of great March Madness teams that, that end up playing in this uh, yeah, got, basketball tournament. Yeah. Syracuse has got a bunch of guys that you'd recognize. Ohio State, like I said. West Virginia's got a bunch of guys. Illinois, I know, uh, is in one. Yeah, it's it's, and then uh, the other team to watch is uh, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, but yeah, I did see the money team. team was on there. It was his first year. But they have they've got like five NBA players on that team. So oh man, uh, he's gonna they're gonna they're gonna do really well. Even though they're the seventh seed, I think they're probably gonna be in the final four. Okay, all right, all right. Early prediction there for you guys. So uh, uh, I've been watching and I've been watching this tournament for years, and it's it's cool to see that like some of these teams are like legacy teams. They've been in it every year. Yeah, no, I've definitely caught caught a, uh, a bunch of games throughout the years. I mean. It it takes place during the dog days of, of summer when there's no other sports really but MLB baseball and when there's something other other than MLB baseball on TV, it's it's always fun to to catch a different sport during the the dog days of summer. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, you guys, uh, you guys got any shout outs before we get out of here? Shit, I did have one. No, I can't. I can't think of it. <laughs> you want to shout out Kevin Calabro? Oh yeah, I mean yeah, definitely shout out the homie Kevin Calabro. Um, he he uh, recently stepped down from calling Blazer games, right? And uh, yeah, he was he's the guy that called all of the Channel Supersonic games in the nineties growing up. So in the early two thousands, so every Sonic game I ever watched growing up, he called them all. So yeah, shout out Kevin Calabro, the homie. Okay, and then uh, my shout out this week. Uh, yesterday, my childhood best friend Ethan, former guest of the TSK show, he was on uh, the Kobe episode after Kobe passed away for about half of that episode. Uh, he's my childhood best friend. We've been best friends since like fourth grade. He got married yesterday. Uh, oh, I, I saw. Yeah, yeah. Put a couple pictures up. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I never imagined not being there for him on that day, but because of everything that's going on, uh, he had to have a small, private, intimate uh, wedding with his family, and they did it on uh, on Zoom so all of their friends and family could watch. So, I mean, it was one of the most beautiful ceremonies I've, I've ever seen, and uh, I wish I could have been there in person, but obviously... Uh, I understand the circumstances and the plan is for them to have a big party reception in a year. When, yeah. I was going to say a can, lot of these uh, people are just going to delay that they're, you know, the receptions or birthday parties or yeah. stuff like that. So uh, in a year we'll be, a, we'll celebrate their one year anniversary, but uh, I wanted to shout out the new Mr. And Mrs. Beard. So uh, with that, that wraps up this episode of the sports kingdom show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at The Duke Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.